8 to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. So there you have it. Fascinating chat with uh, Sandile Zungu, uh, the president of the Black Business Council, raising many issues. And I think many of you learned from it and there's more to learn. And I think we need to have some of the debates around that uh, in the coming weeks or months ahead leading up to the election. We'll have a podcast up of, um, of that interview. The big hitter that is tomorrow morning around 9 a.m. So look out for it on safm.coza. In terms of uh, money, the podcast of that app is, is up. You can go to it now. Go to the WIPES website, but otherwise find it on my timeline, both on Facebook as well as Twitter. Probably posted around uh, 9 o'clock this morning. Maybe I'll do a repost of it even just now so you can find it uh, very easily. Let's, however, now talk on another important issue. In in fact, it's it's politics. It's politicians. It's very much political leadership. And if you look at, you know, three, four, five, ten of the most important political parties, and by and large, the focus is our country. There may be some differences elsewhere, but in our country, the question is, when these political leaders face up to the media, how do they come across? How do they use the media? A, at a press conference, B, when they're interviewed on radio, like I'm talking to them, or they get onto TV as well. Uh, C, when they just get a mic thrown at them outside Parliament, as has happened a couple of times, and you know all about that too, and will happen at the opening of Sona as well, even ahead of the State of the Nation address. Then just general press conferences. And then, of course, when things don't go right and there's pressure on them, and sometimes, of course, and it may still happen now when you look at the um, uh, State Commission inquiry, right? And then finally, with regard to press conferences and how in all those things, um, but not just general press conference, what about press conferences and how that works for them, even in terms of actual usage of social media. So all of those combinations, we're asking about politicians and how they face up in the media, who comes across well, who doesn't. Who needs some serious help? What needs to be changed? How convincing are they? So I've got two people who I think are pretty convincing about their knowledge of what works in the media. Tebocho Ditsejo is the CEO of, uh, of Ditsejo Media. Tebocho, good chatting to you as always, uh, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Ashraf. Thanks, and, and best wishes for your new building. I'm happy to invite myself for a cup of coffee there one of these days, okay? Yes, this should come Yeah, we'll do that. Absolutely. William Bird is director at Media Monitoring Africa. William, appreciate your time. Hello. Hi, good evening, Asha. Thanks for having me good. on the program. Thank you so much. William, perhaps let's start with you. First of all, just to give us an, an opening uh, overview of of South African politicians, and you can throw in as many names as you like, and, and, and whether they use the media effectively. Ultimately, I mean, they have a mission. They have a message to give to you and me and everybody else. How do they come across? So I think that, broadly speaking, our politicians have used the media pretty well. If you look at elections coverage, you'll find that actually it tends to be the politicians and the political parties that drive the narrative around elections more than the media. In other words, they're the ones that frame what things we should be looking at and what we should be seeing. But, of course, then you've got masters at that uh, you know, Julius Malema is, is clearly one of those. You know, he just calls a press conference. They don't even need to know what it's about. And you can bet you're going to get something that's pretty special out of that. He's a, a man who's able to hold an audience and really carry them with him. And it's, it's quite an extraordinary way of, of using and, and, and communicating with people. Against that, um, our former president, when he was, uh, you know, reading speeches, he was really not very encouraging, but when he was speaking off the cuff, he could also do the same thing and be incredibly powerful 
in taking his audiences with him. So I think that we've got a lot of very talented politicians. I think that uh, the recent events over the last couple of years and certainly uh, what we've seen in, in the States with Donald Trump has meant that uh, people have become seriously sceptical of politicians. You know, they stand up and say one thing and then they promptly go and do another. So I think that in as much as institutions have been uh, had their credibility taken not for a six you know, politicians especially. You know, we see it in apathy and in the fact that people just don't tend to believe what they say. So in as much as they may be excellent communicators, I'm not sure that there are that many people that will actually believe a lot of what politicians say. Okay, and if they don't believe it, then they would have failed in their messaging. Just pause on that because I will come back to that in a second, William Bird. Uh, Tebeko, go ahead. Your, your opening thoughts in terms of how politicians uh, use and, and face up to the media? Well, I think that um, our politicians need a greater outlook around the science of communication. I I believe that we, we look at it very narrowly. Um, and, and communication is not only about what you verbalize. Um, communication is also about what communicates. So for an example, um, if you look at the policies of each political party, that communicates something. Um, but over and above that, what communicates is your action. So if you are trying to communicate a particular message, but they're not followed by your actions, then you lose credibility and you go to what um, the guest has just said at the end, where you ask whether or not they believe the politician. So I think that what needs to happen is we need to understand that a communicator needs to be involved in the decision-making, um, the policy-making, and even in the, in the side of business, needs to be involved in key decision-making because if you do not um, get involved at that point, then some of your communication may end up becoming futile. So inasmuch as we do have very charismatic politicians who are great um, at the art of politics and are able to shape the narrative, I still believe that there's a huge void in South African politics where we can have the actions and the policies of the politicians um, matching their words. And in the instance of the Democratic Alliance, um, they don't even have um, an, an election manifesto. Mm. So it becomes a, a situation where a lot of what um, they should be communicating has a void. But I think that's where we are with South African politics. Well, it's interesting you're talking about uh, manifestos and what what. And I'll just stay with you for the second, Tebuchu, because yesterday I, I spoke to Stephen, Professor Stephen Friedman about manifestos and whether they work. And he said, you know, first of all, only one party has, has won an election in the democratic South Africa, so their manifesto then has been tested. For many others, uh, they've come nowhere close to winning an election. So it's a massive wish list that often means very, very little. Your, your thoughts then in terms of, you know, even communicating the manifesto and, and whether, whether the, the voting public, you and I, you actually buy into it? Well, I think that firstly, if you look at um, the ANC, I think that's where we should start. Um, their manifesto has become radicalized due to the disruption of the economic freedom fighters in South African politics. Um, I think it would have remained um, highly conservative had there not been that kind of competition. And the ANC has been able to communicate their manifesto very simply um, and align that to their campaign slogan over the years. 
But I think that in radicalizing their manifesto for 2019, they have not gone far enough. So I don't think that um, the changes that they have proposed currently were well thought out, and I don't think that they had proper communicators um, advising them as to how this is going to come across. For the African National Congress, they need to try to um, start to attract new voters. Um, and attracting um, the younger audience because approximately 67% of Africa's population is 35 years and under. And so they should be looking at energizing it. But, but more importantly, I think the African National Congress also has to look at their youth structures. They don't have enough young people who are recognized generally by the youth as future leaders of the country within the ranks of leadership within the ANC. And I think that is where the economic freedom fighters is going to start to gain more popularity. Mm. In the instance of the EFF, I think they have that right, where um, you can see the future trajectory of the EFF. Um, however, their gap is going to be credibility, which we can discuss later, and also um, the fact that some of their policies seem like more Santa Claus um, politics than they are practical. Yeah, whether they're actually workable. Interesting one. 891 Now, what about you and your views? And you can share your viewpoint on the air. The show tells you what we call it. It's called The Viewpoint. Okay, 891 That's the call in. You can WhatsApp voice note us, but that cannot be more than 30 seconds, please. 614 If you're doing that, if you're SMSing, it's 40938. 40938. And the option for you to simply tweet us. Hashtag SFM Viewpoint firstly, and then tag me, Ashraf Ganda, tag SFM Radio. Uh, you'll tag Teboko uh, Diseko. You'll find him on my timeline. And you'll also find William Bird as what? Bill Bob Bird. You'll find him on my timeline immediately if you see that. So feel free to do all of that. I want to hear from you in a moment. SABC Sport continues to celebrate heroes in the world of sport on Playing for the Coach. In this week's episode, the focus is on Jeffrey Toyana, a prolific left-hander during his playing days. A product of the Soweto Cricket Club. You know, like you must decide, you know, like if you want to stay in my house, you are going to play cricket. And then if you don't, then like you must leave. South Africa's first black African franchise coach. Catch the man destined for higher honors. Jeffrey Toyana, Highfelt Lions High Performance Coach on Playing for the Coach. This Sunday at half past two on SABC1. SABC Sport, for the love of the game. <coughs> During the first two years of my marriage, I was stressed, began to drink a lot. My wife then told me to visit Men's Clinic International, as this was all taking a toll on our marriage. I did! I am proud to stand here and tell you all that Men's Clinic International restored my marriage and dignity as a man. So, visit Men's Clinic International today. SMS help to 32110 or send a please call me to 072-315-2574. P's and C's apply. SMSs cost one rate. Soweto! The final El Casico is coming. Rise, Kosi Rise. We all know Ubano Shaeban in the last game. Manje, you the faithful can prove your loyalty once more. Bring your voice to FNP Stadium on 9 February 3.30 p.m. when Kaiser Chiefs take on arch rivals Orlando Pirates for City breaking rights. This is the Absa Premiership. Whoa, Whoa, Sonata. Sonata. Whoa. Bring your voice. 
So a big event coming up uh, in South Africa on Thursday. That is the State of the Nation Address, and that's going to be hosted by the President of the country, Cyril Ramaphosa. Now, with that in mind, uh, it impacts on you because it starts at 7 p.m. Particularly, the ceremony itself uh, impacts on motorists around the Cape Town area. So motorists and pedestrians advise of parking restrictions and temporary road closures in and around Parliament from the 5th and 6th of February. So that happens now. And then on the 7th itself, um, there's a full closure. So if you need to know more about how it impacts on you, go to the website parliament.gov.za or you can also visit uh, Parliament on Facebook as well as on Twitter. That's Parliament RSA. Uh, And Parliament apologises for any inconvenience caused by the road closures. Now, this message is brought to you by the Parliament of the Republic of South Africa. At SAFM Radio and at Ashraf Gada on Twitter. Well, if you hear about this message brought to you by politicians, uh, would you be listening? That's the essence of what we're talking about with Tebocho Ditsecho of Ditsecho Media and William Bird from Media Monitoring Africa. William, let's pick up on some of the things you you were saying earlier on uh, in terms of... Uh, you know, the believability factor. So one thing is, is coming up and sounding good, and many of them are pretty... Con- okay, we've just lost William Bird for a second. We'll pick up on him in a second. Deborah, I'm going to go to you, therefore. So one thing is saying what they're saying, and some of them... Well, maybe let's start with this one. Who We'll talk about the believability part second, okay? Who, when they talk, appears to be the type of people that we are drawn to? We We, we stop doing what we're doing, and we listen no matter whether the message actually will be delivered. And we'll talk about that second. In fact, I think we have lost Tebocho as well. Okay. Tebocho, uh, no, he's gone. I'll see if we've got William Bird back on the line. If we don't, I'm going to have to rely on you giving me your opinion. So here, here's the thought. I think the, the point brought up earlier on with former President uh, Zuma, uh, certainly when it came to prepared speeches, there was a, almost a dourness about him, okay? Um, but when he was unprepared off the cuff and often speaking in East Zulu, he was just far more natural. Um, and maybe there's a lesson in that. Uh, there's, uh, I, I think when you, when you look, you look at someone like Musi Maimon, Mani is he's got a very good diction, very, very solid in terms of the way he comes across. I think pretty convincing. Again, whether you believe in him is another debate. I'm just talking about the levels of convincing. Uh, Julius Malema definitely is a person who who has a way of capturing you in terms of capture is such a word in South Africa, believe me. Uh, capturing you in terms of your attention. Uh, just the way he commands the stage. And again, he could be talking about things that you disagree with completely, but you would listen. What about what about the rest of them? And we can then go down the line. I just want to see if I can, if I have connected with my guests, uh, and I'll get a thumbs up from um, my producer as soon as we do that. Uh, we do have, Temoko, do we have you there? No, we don't have. Um, yes. Yeah, okay, sorry about that. We just lost you for a second. So I was I was okay. putting it, we'll talk content just now, uh, in that initial point, just about the sheer presence of individuals. Who makes their mark now in South Africa and who doesn't? Well, I think we could start with Missy um, Maimani, as you were discussing. Um, uh, he's quite a charismatic leader, very young, um, and, and I think that there is a, a certain appeal to him um, being someone who's from Soweto around Dobsonville. Um, and, and I think that he also um, comes across as somebody who is genuinely um, concerned about the plight of the majority of South Africans. Now, the, the problem with missing um, my money is that um, there's a perception that he's not the real leader of the Democratic Alliance. 
mm. and mm. also around the strength, his strength as a leader. Uh, and this is where now you have um, the, the separation between how you come across um, in terms of your um, oratory um, abilities and also the decisions you make within your organization. So he's allowed um, the likes of Helen Villa to run amok um, and do as they please, as if he's not the leader of the DA. So that undermines his leadership. Okay, that's um, interesting, I, because, because that means no matter how well and charismatic he comes across, there's a sense that, well, he doesn't really speak on his own. So therefore, the ability of him to convince you and me to buy into his message then is, is, uh, is diluted, right? Yeah, so in 2016, the DA did um, um, do uh, relatively well. However, because of the decisions that have been made within the party, such as how they have treated um, Helen, uh, sorry, uh, Patricia DeLille, how they, they have not managed to um, rein in on Helen Villa, and how, um, you know, he seems like a bit of a lame duck leader, so he is a bit discredited um, in, in that uh, instance. So I think the DA would be well to consider someone like um, Pumzile Van Dam after mm-hmm. um, the next election as a leader. I think moving forward, um, Julius Malema is probably one of the most convincing uh, leaders, especially when it comes to opposition. Um, I don't think he has much competition in this regard. Um, his competition would mostly come from the EFF, and I think this is the weakness that we see mm-hmm. in the ANC, in which they should be finding um, leaders who can stand toe-to-toe with Julius, not necessarily um, in terms of his, uh, him coming across as aggressive, but challenging his ideas. So you don't want to create another Julius within the ANC. What you want to do is create a leader who can perhaps um, compete with Julius in another way, perhaps even intellectually. Um, I think moving on to the ANC, um, the, the president, Cyril Ramaphosa, um, was a very credible leader. Um, and, and I think he still is a credible leader. Um, what, what would help him um, would be the way he packages his messaging. So we're not hearing a lot mm. about the victories of the ANC, such as how they've managed to promote foreign direct investment. They've increased it by over 400 and, around 446%, you know, from last year to this year. And these are the things that are not being spoken about. So the packaging of the messaging from his side um, needs to improve. Okay, let me bring in William Bird uh, back on the line. We lost you earlier, William. I was asking about that, you know, just in terms of, how, we'll talk about content in a second, but just in terms of how these key individuals come across, what, what's your assessment of that? Well, I, I mean, I think that's one of the key issues is that there are also too many men, quite frankly. Mm. So, you know, you've got to try and bring in other audiences. You've got to speak to not only young people, but you've got to speak to women. And I'm not sure that. Uh, a lot of the parties are able to talk to that in any real meaningful way other than, you know, occasionally they'll find some strong women speakers there in their own ranks and occasionally they come out, but it's not as though they've got a particularly progressive uh, line on communicating around anyway, uh, gender yeah, issues. Yeah. And I don't just mean around quotas, but really speaking to some of the, the, the core challenges that we face. Okay, I also so- think that it's a lot easier for opposition parties to be more strident and sound like they're going to do a better job because they're in opposition. They don't have the actual reality of governance to to challenge them in many instances so they can make all sorts of claims and promises because they don't have to do that. Whereas, you know, the ANC has a, has a more difficult task in that regard 
but they also have the fact that they've got abject failures in many respects, mm. with some successes, but it's not as though any of these major parties uh, aren't beset by major crises at the moment. I mean, all three of those major of the political parties are, are, are dealing with crises, many of them of their own making. Yeah, I'm going to get to Sibosiso in a second. Tibo, just respond to that, the, the, the difference between a, a president or a cabinet minister or a senior member of the ruling party, in this case the ANC, of course, speaking versus an opposition leader, uh, which is just about everybody else, of course, uh, because they, they're really not in power and, and whether we can pick up, therefore, the, the differences in terms of how they, how they speak to us. That's a very, those are very important points. I think um, very profound around being able to appeal um, to women. And it would go even beyond just addressing uh, gender issues. It would also go around your... So one of the weaknesses of the EFF would be, you know, that they come across as hyper-masculine and a bit too aggressive. So a lot of women would be pretty turned off, you know, from that because... Um, it's not a style, you know, it's not that charismatic, charming style of uh, the former President Barack Obama. Uh, and, and so I think they need to look into that in how they can start to attract um, uh, more women um, into their ranks, into the top six um, of the EFF. And okay. there is a difference between being an opposition party and being in government. Um, in government, you have to consider, you know, investors, you have to consider Practicalities around what you're saying. When you're in opposition, you can promise heaven and earth knowing that you don't have to implement it anytime soon. Well, there you are. Let, let's pick up a call from Newcastle. Uh, Sibusiso, you're on the air. Hello. Sibusiso, you're on the air. Go ahead. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Go ahead. Thank you. Yes, uh, Ashraf, I just wanted to comment also, uh, but uh, not about the current politician. Man, if you may allow me, Chris Hani, man. Yeah. The way Chris Hani used to come across when he presented his speeches, I don't think anybody can match uh, the late Chris Hani. God bless that soul. I mean, he would be addressing large crowds, and uh, everybody would be so attentive. You could hear a needle foot drop, you know, and uh, the way people you was able to capture everybody's attention. And he was not going to bring a big thing. He's just going to bring a small little paper with probably just some subtitles. And, and he was able and to do so. Okay. he was going to address them, it was excellent. All right. Nobody thank, can th- match thank you. We've got about three minutes or so to go. I want to, I want to now move on to social media issues in terms of, so one thing is facing traditional uh, media, right? And, and William, just maybe start, let's start with you on this one. Uh, again, some of the key players, how do they come across on social media, and that could mean video clips. Uh, ironically, the one who's using it, the only one I think was doing it all the time, is is the former president. The other is, is just good, solid text on Twitter in particular. Who's doing what and how they're coming across? Yeah, there's an interesting kind of extension. And, of course, when you talk about the ANC, we've had some very colorful uh, ministers, you know, that dominating some of that space. Uh, and talking a lot about themselves. And then it seems to become more about the person and less about the party um, and very little about actually their politics or their policies and whether or not you should believe in them or adhere to them. So I'm not sure that they're very convincing on, on those areas. Usually they stand out on social media when they make some kind of hideous error. Mm-hmm. It's not as though you're looking at them and saying, well, yes, this was an inspiring Today. And I mean, it's a similar thing with Donald Trump. You know, he's noted for 
uh, his, his ability to, to tweet extensively and to use social media, not very effectively generally, except to the extent that he manages to, to rile up um, feelings and anxieties. And I guess some parties are good at, at, at doing that. But, um, you know, you've got a, the DA that have got an extensive communications plan and a policy, and they probably, probably sometimes people accuse them of over-communicating. And then you've got the ANC, one of the earlier a speaker said, you know, we don't hear about half the things that they actually do do. So they seem to use it as a missed opportunity. And I think it speaks to an absence Absolutely. of a communication plan. I mean, they don't even have their own website back. Which is amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Tebok, respond to that. You've you got about a minute or so, then we're going to wrap up. No, no, he's spot on. I think I'd add and, and, and just say that visually speaking, all of the political parties have improved. And when I say all, I'm actually only talking about the top three. Um, the rest of the political parties are personal on social media. They're nowhere to be found. They don't um, comment on, on interesting topics. You don't see the leaders anywhere. Um, so they're not doing well. The top three are doing well. Um, however, I do think that all of them are all over the show. Um, they don't communicate one strong message. They're not pushing in the same direction. And there's a lot of missed opportunities. Okay, I'll tell you what. Your time's up, both of you, but you are uh, encouraged to, to repeat some of the things you've said and amplify them on social media. Just tag me and, and hashtag SAFM Viewpoint uh, with what you've said and a whole lot more. I will certainly share that even tonight if you've got the time. Tebokho Litsecho from Litsecho Media. William Bird, Director at Media Monitoring Africa. Thank you for your time as well. Fascinating in terms of the things they say. Not too convincing overall. Goodness, some work needs to be done. So what about you? You know, we talk innovation normally around this time of the night. But you're in business, you're a, particularly you're a startup, and the one thing we all need is like we need money, we need funding. Uh, York Zuki, he believes otherwise. Let's find out about his innovative thoughts on how you can effectively increase cash flow. We've heard of inquisitorial and prosecutorial. Just differentiate for us, please. The State of Capture Commission is an inquisitorial body. It's different from a court. And I think this is where a lot of misunderstanding about the work of the commission arises because I think a lot of South Africans are quite fatigued about commissions and they say that commissions of inquiry don't work because we don't see anybody going to jail. But I think those sentiments arise because of a misapprehension about what the work of a commission is. Ms. Pepela Pidube, independent legal analyst. The Talking Point on SAFM. Get this interview and many others on SAFM Podcast. Log on to our Facebook page, SAFM Radio, or our website, safm.co.za right now.